0: Welcome everybody to this latest podcast from the Herbert Smith Freehills pensions team. My name's Tim Smith and today I'm very pleased to be joined by Ashley Hamilton Claxton, who's Head of Responsible Investment at Royal London Asset Management. Uh, Today I'm going to be discussing with Ashley uh, some of the recent developments in relation to ESG and pensions investing and also looking ahead to how things might develop in this space in the future. Uh, Ashley thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, just perhaps, Could you start briefly by describing your royal, role at Royal London and, and the work that you and your colleagues do for pension fund clients?
1: Absolutely, so um, as you mentioned I'm head of response investment. Um, I report into our chief investment officer so I'm um, part of the front office leadership team and um, And essentially, we help our fund management teams implement uh, our response investment strategy. So that includes um, assisting and helping coordinate company engagement. So going to speak to companies we own about environmental, social, or governance risks, ESG risks, um, or opportunities. We also help implement our proxy voting um, across our equity funds. Uh, We vote, um, you know, about 15,000, more than 15,000 resolutions every year. Um, We also help the fund managers think through ESG integration. So how do they integrate environmental, social, and governance um, considerations into their investment process? So um, undertaking deep dive analysis on companies or topics, um, coaching them through how they might want to think about climate risk within their portfolio, for example. Um, And then we also, for some of our clients, particularly their pension clients, um, which we're seeing an increased demand from, is um, help the business think about, How we can um, assist with bespoke kind of ESG needs um, for clients that have segregated funds with us for example.
0: Great and it's been a year now uh, since we worked together to produce a report which was looking at uh, how things are evolving in this space and in particular the new requirements that came in last October for trustees to put in place written policies on financially material ESG factors um- what difference have has that made in practice?
1: yeah, um quite a lot actually, I have to say um you know a lot people like me who've been working in the industry for quite some time have always said, um you know the minute we we get sort of regulations around um pension trustees and the asset owners around this, we will drive change, and we are seeing that happen um which is quite a good thing, I think. So what have we seen in our lab? We've seen a significant increase in the number of requests for proposals for new funds or due diligence questionnaires for existing clients that reference or ask questions around ESG. We've seen a dramatic increase in clients' queries about ESG questions We've also seen quite a significant increase in the sophistication and detail of the questions we're getting from clients. Not not all clients, but certain clients are definitely increasing their sophistication. So for example, we had one client questionnaire only on ESG topics, which was 20 pages long, um, which was pretty extraordinary, to be honest. Um, and pretty much all of our client presentations now, whether it's sales pitches or updates, um, do include um, an element of ESG, and that is both um, being driven by our land but also from demand from our clients.
0: I'd be interested to know obviously, the last six to nine months has been dominated by uh, COVID 19 and, and, and the pandemic. Um, what impact um, are you seeing that having on trustees and members' attitudes towards um, kind of ESG factors?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think when the pandemic first was starting to unroll, to um, happen, I think a lot of people in the RI, responsible investment industry, wondered whether this would actually um, cause a significant delay or pause to a lot of the good work that we've been doing over the last 15 to 20 years. Um, because prior to the pandemic, ESG was absolutely going mainstream. So I think we all kind of paused and worried whether um this would um people would kind of shift gears to look at very very short-term financial consequences of the pandemic and i'm actually quite pleased to say that that hasn't happened in fact the opposite has happened i think covid 19 has highlighted for people um a lot of the sort of social issues that affect us as individuals and as pension savers and kind of shone a, a, a sort of spotlight on that for us and so i think actually covid 19 has driven even more interest in, in this area. Mm-hmm. And in particular, even more interest in funds, um, specialist funds, like our sustainable funds, for example, have seen unbelievable flows of, of assets coming into them during the pandemic. So I think mm-hmm. it's been surprising, but also, I'm um, really hopeful that that's the case, um, that there's been really no, no change. The only change is, I think, Um, There was a huge focus, and rightly so, on climate, and there still is, but I would say social issues absolutely have shot up to the top of the agenda, and particularly around things like um, labour standards, health and safety of workers Mm -hmm. in the pandemic, but also things like um, diversity and uh, driven by the Black Lives Matters protest.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's certainly consistent with what I've heard from others saying that kind of, there's a much bigger focus on the S in ESG now than there perhaps ever has been previously. Um, yeah. Obviously the, the thrust of last year's regulations were were on kind of financial factors um, and trustees needing to think about and set out how they take those into account. Are you seeing much movement in terms of non-financial factors, so such as things like moral and ethical considerations? It, are you seeing much, any, much more focus on that from schemes or members?
1: I think it really depends on the scheme. Um, I think there's been some increase in focus on that um, for certain schemes where that's really, really important to their uh, underlying beneficiaries. There's certainly been more discussions about it, and I think there's been more consultations with beneficiaries on their views around this. Um, but I would say it's pretty mixed. I would say on the other side of it, there is this also trend away from things like exclusions or looking at ethical implications. So um, people are thinking more about how do we integrate ESG factors? How do we think about um, adjusting our financial position or investment decisions, as opposed to identifying so-called bad companies and not investing in them? So I think there's a bit of a tension. You can see some schemes yes looking at ethical issues um more regularly and consulting on them more regularly but then you see other schemes where who are very much taking much more financially focused approach around um around actually integrating esg as opposed to identifying like a bad list of companies they won't invest in
0: yeah and going going forwards um so from 1st of October, trustees will be required to include a new implementation statement in their annual reporting accounts, which really sets out what they've done around ESG, how they've implemented their policies, um, and how they've implemented their policies on things like voting and engagement as well. What what tips do you have for trustees as they prepare these, and what, what can they expect from their asset managers?
1: Yeah, uh, this has been really interesting, actually. I think we've seen A wave of requests over the last six weeks around Mm. this Um, even though we've known the regulation is coming I don't think anyone was really thinking ahead about it Mm. sadly Um, so we are getting lots of last-minute requests Um, we're getting lots of questions coming from our clients that are quite unclear um, so it tells me that the client isn't exactly sure what they're asking for, what information they're looking for, and it does make it quite difficult for us as asset managers to then respond um, to those. So um, it's been quite quite interesting over the last or six weeks, I'd say. Um, I'd also say that a lot of the requests are sort of uncoordinated, I suppose. Um, and often the client doesn't seem to understand the asset class they're invested in with us. So for mm-hmm. example, we can see we're just getting kind of a standard list of questions, and it might ask about proxy voting, but then when we look, you know, we'll see it, well, this this client is actually in a cash fund. Um, so it, it, it's quite tr- challenging, I suppose, from an asset manager's perspective to to answer all of these varied client queries in a very, very short time span when the questions are quite unclear. So a few tips as a result of that i suppose i would say prepare early absolutely prepare early um, give yourself and us as asset managers a reasonable deadline because even though they seem like quite simple question give us a list of your significant votes or something mm-hmm. like that um, the answers are not simple um and it definitely depends on what kind of a, a fund you're in it also very much depends on if you're a pooled fund or in a segregated fund um, it might be much easier for us to get something on a segregated fund and being more tricky on a pooled fund, for example. Um, I would say also define your terminology. Um, Be really, really clear about what language you're using and and what you mean by that language. Um, This is a consistent problem in the industry at the moment, which is Everyone uses slightly different language to describe yeah. the same thing or different things. So if clients are really clear with us about what exactly they mean by their language, then it's much easier for us to answer that. The way we've been addressing that is is actually helping define it for customers and say, this is what we mean by response busting or ESG integration, mm-hmm. and then answering the question accordingly. And then finally, I really know your asset class and your funds. Um, you know, I think if, if you want to genuinely do this properly, um, you do need to have a little bit of a nuance between you know, your equity funds and your fixed income funds, for example. Um, so sending um, standard questionnaires is quite tricky. And then finally, I guess maybe it's a call out to consultants um, and those that advise pension schemes, perhaps even the lawyers, um, is um, if, if you guys can help come up with some more standardized kinds of questions, it's going to be much easier for us to answer those questions across 20 or 30 of our clients, as opposed to receiving 20 or 30 different requests. Now, of course, on the flip side, the clients um, will see receive many different formats from their fund managers. So I think between us, the consultants, and the clients, we need to kind of work out a more um, structured and probably more, um, uh, a more structured kind of way of being able to answer these queries that doesn't create lots and lots of kind of work for everyone. Um, so that would be my, those would be my main
0: tips. Mm. It sounds like there's a real need for kind of coordination among kind of schemes and consultants and asset managers. Um, and, and as you yeah. say, a need for more standardization in this space.
1: I think so. I mean, the regulator op- um, asks open ended questions and I think they do that on purpose. And open ended questions can be can be really helpful. Um, but equally, you can end up getting um, not very helpful answers. So. Um, I know some of the pension consultants just I think this week have announced um, uh, that they're going to start working together um, on response investing and, and sustainability. And yeah. so one of the things I would like to call on them to do is to kind of help work with asset managers and their end clients to kind of coordinate this process a little bit better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be important for asset managers to have a, a key kind of seat at the table there. Um, in terms of just looking ahead, let's say over the next um, three to five years, clearly a lot's already happened in this space, but how do you see things developing um, kind of in the years ahead?
1: Yeah, so um, I think it's, luckily we've hit this tipping point, I think. So this is now mainstream. So we're getting less questions now about, oh, does this really matter? You know, it, is it going to affect my investment returns? I think fortunately those, those issues are becoming less frequent, and it's now just people getting on with it. So I think that's a huge, huge benefit. Um, ESG is an evolving area just by its nature. So kind of the evolving topics um, that could be material financial risks will always be changing. And so um, the future really is for teams like mine in in response investing within asset managers is constantly horizon scanning for the next sort of big topics, um, trying to, identify those, trying to then assess how they'll affect our investment. I think for pension schemes, it's going to have to be really focused on really getting the best you can out of your asset managers. And so this first wave of implementation statements, as we said, might not yield the best results because it feels um, quite last minute and it feels a bit uncoordinated. Um, So I'm hoping that by next year we get to this time both the asset managers and the the clients have worked out what it is they exactly want and Mm -hmm. then we can have a bit more of a clear conversation with clients about how they want to monitor us and and where we can improve Mm -hmm. so i think the future is looking quite quite good we're busier than ever um the demand from clients for more esg information more reporting more transparency is absolutely a positive thing um we need to think about how we do that in a way that is um, value added for our clients and doesn't increase cost significantly mm-hmm. because obviously mm-hmm. keeping pension scheme costs down is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite an exciting time, mm-hmm. but there, there's a lot of change happening, a lot of challenges still to address, but we're definitely busy.
0: Yeah, and early you mentioned climate change and we've, we've obviously just had a new consultation issued by DWP specifically on climate related risks. Uh, where they're proposing initially for large schemes, but but potentially, ultimately for, for smaller schemes as well, that there'll be new requirements for, for schemes to set uh, metrics and targets around uh, kind of climate-related issues, and also to undertake things like scenario analysis. Um, now, on the face of it, that sounds like some quite significant new requirements and quite a lot of work would be involved. H- how significant do you think these proposals are and and how much work would be involved on both the trustee and asset manager side if if these actually kind of come into force?
1: Yeah, so I cautiously welcome this. I think it is right to be focusing on climate risk. It is a significant systemic risk that can affect pension schemes. It's not the only significant ESG systemic risk, so we need to keep that in mind. i do worry a little bit about the data underlying this so um, in order to set targets you need to know what your position is um, we have some pretty serious concerns about the um the breadth of data available in the market um because you know if you want to do uh, for example a, a carbon footprint which is a sort of backwards looking um, assessment of how much carbon your portfolio um, kind of creates or the companies in your portfolio creates. If you do that for a typical kind of um, Royal London um, credit fund, using only a third party provider of data, carbon data, you get data coverage of about 40%. Mm-hmm. So that means you don't have sight of 60% of your assets. Mm-hmm. Um, now I raise this flag whenever I speak to um, industry bodies and, and regulators and, and, and others that it it's absolutely great to start talking about scenario analysis and planning and thinking about these things but we have to realize the 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 level of um, data we have is very limited Um, now we you know the benefit of having an internal ri team is that we we've got experts who can um, actually do a lot of work behind the scenes and we're actually working on um, a tool where we can do almost our own um, carbon footprint using our Mm -hmm. own knowledge of where we lend in the balance sheet of companies so Mm -hmm. Um I think the data is my big challenge yeah um I you know, and I don't know I think people just don't yet know what a net zero carbon portfolio looks like um yeah. you kind of have you have to decarbonize the whole economy if you're a broadly invested multi asset customer um you're broadly invested across the market, and essentially you need to decarbonize the whole economy, mm. so I don't think people worked out what that is. We can absolutely, as asset managers, have influence on companies and we can engage with them and we can vote. Um, But I I wouldn't, uh, I would be lying if I said it wasn't going to be a challenge. I think it will be a a really big challenge and the data is is certainly a challenge.
0: Mm, Interesting. And one of the things, just picking up from things you've been saying is I think for a long time, there's been concerns around ESG that potentially people are just paying lip service to it but it sounds like that's really changing and there's there's much more momentum now in this space
1: there is much more momentum and um, there is a big big drive to measure everything which is actually very interesting so Mm -hmm. again with the DWP um, consultation it's about measurement Mm -hmm. measurement is really really important but my one of my favorite sort of sayings is not everything that matters can be measured, mm-hmm. and you feel that way about ESG. Is like some ESG risks are kind of just these intangible risks where it's a professional judgment as opposed to something you could measure and put down on a page. So um, it, it's quite interesting to see this real drive for crystallizing a measurement of an ESG risk as if that's going to capture the full um, consequences of that risk. And I think we need to be quite careful about that. To be honest, I think we still need quite a lot of professional judgment from our fund managers who, you know, to be fair to them have been looking at intangible risks for their whole careers, um, and trying to put a value on that and trying to assess relative value. Um, so, so it'll be interesting. There is real drive towards, towards measuring, um, ESG
0: risk. Yeah, great. Well, that's really helpful. Thank you for kind of sharing your your insights with us uh, today, Ashley. And
1: um, my pleasure.
0: Thank you to everyone for listening. Um, if you want to receive future podcasts, then make sure you subscribe to our blog. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us.